Welcome back for this week's episode. We are going to be diving into secondary infertility and really discussing what it looks like to try to conceive for a long period of time compared for the second child versus the first. And so we're going to dive into Sierra's second part of her story today. And just kind of like a little trigger warning, this is an episode where we talk a lot about her journey. There will be some really amazing answers to prayer and also some things that will really resonate. So we want to just be mindful of that as you move forward in listening. And so we're excited for all that Sierra is going to share that God has taught her in the waiting and just the trying to conceive journey because that looked a lot different for her than the navigating the miscarriage aspect of her journey. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. Sierra, why don't you kind of pick up where we left off and kind of discuss like what happened after that second miscarriage and what did it look like for you guys to continue trying to conceive and maybe even answer like, did you ever have a moment where you're like, maybe we don't want to try right now or just kind of what that's looked like for you guys over the time after. Yeah. Our last miscarriage was January of 2022. And I do have like a lot of friends who felt like they needed some extra months to mourn that before they continued trying. I would say I didn't really have that feeling. Maybe this also has to do with like how far along you get in your pregnancy maybe not, maybe it's just personality, but we, we basically just kind of picked up where we left off as soon. It took like six weeks to kind of get back my cycle again. And yeah, we just kind of jumped right back in to trying to conceive. And I'm kind of glad we're like doing this two-part series because I feel like God taught me totally different things through this past 18, 19, 20 months of, you know, just trying to conceive and honestly kind of being thankful that there hasn't been a a pregnancy and a loss during that time. It's like, I think last time I mentioned how it's a different type of pain to like grieve something that was there and then what is gone and versus to like grieve something that hasn't come yet or, and just like have this desire and this longing. It's like two different things. And God taught me two different things, like in these different seasons. So anyway, just kind of moving on into our story after our our second miscarriage, I felt like those first couple months were, you know, just kind of the typical frustration, hope roller coaster of, you know, this is the month, like I'm going to be hopeful this month. And then 
you take your pregnancy test and you're like, ah, and you cry for a day and then you like move on. It's like, okay, you know, I'm going to count my blessings and then it's the next month and you get your hopes up again. And it's just this hope roller coaster. And I feel like from January to the summertime, like June, those six months was just like, just starting to take a toll on me. And also we're not going to get too deep into this, but some, I feel like thing, this is a topic that nobody talks about is how your body is after a miscarriage and how your hormones are like so out of whack. And, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't really care what I look like right now. So hopefully I'll just get pregnant next month and I'll be growing a baby. It doesn't matter. But when that doesn't happen and your body's like not going back to normal, I feel like that was something that was really bothering me and I didn't know how to work through that. So anyway, at this point, summer 22, six months in of trying to conceive, I was basically just so sick and tired of being sad and I was tired of the hope roller coaster and trying to conceive had become all consuming, like every thought, you know, every month it was okay nine months out from now, what are the plans? Like, let's not plan any vacations or anytime I wanted to like buy an article of clothing. It was, hmm, maybe I should get the next size bigger just in case I get pregnant this month. And it was just consuming weird parts of my mind. And I just needed a break. And so up here in Minnesota, the winters are like so freaking long. Summer had finally come. I'm like, I just want to be happy. And so I used that summer to focus on controlling the controllables in my life. It's like right now, I cannot control, despite being healthy and the, all this blood work coming back normal. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I had like a interuterine exam that summer and that checked out normal. And it's like, okay, like these things are fine, but I still can't control getting pregnant. So I'm just going to take this summer to you know, really like dial back in on my nutrition. I think I did like the gut protocol for the first time that summer. And I loved that because it took a lot of mental capacity to follow something like a regimen like that. Felt amazing. And it was great to kind of get my mind off of one thing onto another thing that was beneficial and healthy for me. So just kind of really dialed in on my health that summer and celebrated the things that my body could do rather than focusing on what my body could not do in making a baby. And so, yeah, just like simple things. Like I can jump on the trampoline with my toddler because I'm not pregnant right now. Like I can go down big water slides and go like water skiing and do flips on the trampoline. Like I just like really tried to focus and celebrate the things that my body could do kind of all that summer into the fall. And I feel like with that kind of during that time, we were still physically like trying to conceive, but I had kind of like blessed and released the emotional attachment to it. Like I started expecting periods to be there. I kind of started preparing myself to see negative pregnancies, you know, tests if I had decided to take a test that month. And I feel like I kind of, I maybe even stopped praying about it so consistently because I was, I was scared of being sad again and I was scared of getting my hopes up. So I kind of fell, I found just kind of this weird season, the fall of 22 kind of going into 
the January of next year, still, you know, still not pregnant, just feeling like I had actually developed this bad relationship with hope. I remember sitting around a table with some of my girlfriends at a dinner club and, you know, everyone was kind of giving a life update. And uh, one of my other friends had just kind of had a, an early miscarriage and she was sharing things about being hopeful. And I'm like thinking to myself, no, like, don't. I was thinking to myself, like, I would honestly not get my hopes up right now because I had developed a bad relationship with hope. And I just didn't. It was just like kind of it was unhealthy. And I realized it was unhealthy because the hope that I had was for this monthly success. It was not hope that I was placing in the Lord. And so that type of hope was hurting me in a way. And so, yeah, that I would say like this past spring was kind of when I realized that I had developed this bad relationship with hope. And there's a quote from Maddie Joy. It's just this girl I've recently followed on Instagram. I, I love her stuff. But she said, if your hope is in Jesus, disappointment is not your final destination. And then Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, and not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character brings about hope. And this hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And Maddie kind of was sharing her experiences and said something like, God has used disappointment that I've dreaded to draw me closer to his heart. Through pain, he has changed my perspective. He has increased my awareness of his nearness and who he is as my comforter and redeemer. Now, less than I want my way, I want him to have his way in my life. And I feel like she just said that really beautifully. And, and I can just really resonate with that. So kind of like learning a lot about hope and where, where I had been placing my hope and where I should be placing my hope was kind of like this wake up call. And on top of that, I have this four-year-old now and I put her to bed, you know, 50% of the time. And, you know, we're, she's old enough to know that we have been trying for a baby. We've been praying for a baby. And there was a time where we hadn't been praying for a baby because I, I was giving my heart that break. Uh, maybe a break it didn't need, but regardless, like that was happening. And she said, mom, we need to be praying for the baby, praying for a baby. And I'm like, okay. So we got in this routine of praying for a baby like every single night. And there was one night she said, mommy, how many days do we have to pray for a baby until it comes? And, you know, my heart just kind of broke. <laughs> and I'm like, baby, I don't know. And, you know, sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers right away because he has a better idea for us later on. But the Bible does tell us to pray continually. So we just need to keep praying and praying. <laughs> and it was kind of through that that I realized like a lot of things about prayer. <laughs> like I wanted to be praying with her, 
But I also didn't want to be giving her a false hope because honestly, I don't know God's will in this situation. And reality is sometimes prayer doesn't get answered the way we want it to be answered. And, you know, like we see that all around us. Like I have so many faith-filled families who have parents that are battling cancer. And despite their deepest faith and their biggest hopes and their like consistent prayers for healing, that earthly healing might doesn't come for some families. And, and sometimes God's going to answer that prayer through their heavenly healing. You know, once they get to heaven, like that's where their ultimate healing is going to come. And so, yes, God answers prayers, but it's not always in the way that we think it's going to be. And so I had to start like thinking about that as I'm praying with my four-year-old, because I don't want to like build these expectations for her. And so I had to start learning, okay, how can I change my terminology as we're praying for this to happen? And so kind of my prayers just kind of shifted towards, Lord, help us be patient. Lord, help us trust you that if you desire for us to grow our family, help us be patient and willing for how that might look. Because at this point in time, it's like spring of this year, I was starting to consider infant adoption. I was starting to look into embryo adoption. And so I'm just like, maybe this is how God's going to have us grow our family. And so if it is like, we need to be praying for the Lord to prepare our hearts for that. And yeah, I don't know if if you want to jump in. I feel like I've been talking a long time, but. No, that's amazing. Tell me a little bit more about like, what was your husband and your relationship? What kind of conversations did you guys have as you were navigating that through? Like what kind of role? Because when I look back at my journey with Josh, I feel like he was always so steadfast in his faith. And I think I shared that with you last time, like just had the gift of faith. Like, honestly, it was in some ways infuriating because I was like, do you ever doubt? Like, are you struggling at all? (laughs) But he would just always be that like constant source of just encouragement and faith of just like, he really believed that God had that for us. So what has that? Because I know, you know, during this journey, it it is your marriage that's going through. It's your, um, Mm -hmm. you and your spouse, right? So like, what did that look like, especially with you guys, you know, navigating med school and stuff like, Did you feel alone sometimes, like kind of going through that and just literally like having to be like, okay, some of these conversations I'm having with my daughter are, it's just us right now navigating this. Yeah. Yeah. You're here, you know? Yeah. I would say it sounds like you and Josh were probably, Josh, right? I said that right. Okay. (laughs) It sounds like you two are more in tune with it together. Devin and I, you know, to this day are still working on like praying together more often, but I feel like he was still pretty detached from it all. Like, I don't know. We didn't have a ton of conversations about it, but when I would bring it up, you know, similar to Josh, just like had faith and was more patient, seemed more patient than me. And I remember there was a day this summer, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) There was a day this summer when we were all, our family was in the car, we were going out to dinner. And we were talking about school coming up for Navy and she's a June birthday. And so we have to decide, are we sending her when she's a little bit younger or when she's a little bit older? And we're like, oh, well, long story short, we're going to send her when she's a little bit younger because she's totally ready. 
And then I had this like freak out because that meant this, this fall, like right now, she was going to be having her last year of pre-K. And then a year from now, she was going to be going to kindergarten. And if she was going to public school, that means five days a week, full days. And I just like started bawling in the car because it's like, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I honestly worked really hard to be a stay-at-home mom. And now I'm going to have no kids at home at the age of 31. And I'm just not okay with that. And I just started freaking out. And so he's, and and that's kind of what I kind of started getting desperate. And that's when I started looking into infant adoption and (laughs) embryo adoption, because that was a moment where I'm like, I'm not trusting God. He's not moving fast enough. I have to start taking things into my own hands again. And Devin's like, you just need to, I mean, he, in a nice way, you know, just like bring it back down. Like everything's going to be okay. And we just need to be praying about this. I'm like, dude, I've been praying about this forever. But you're like four years at this point, buddy. Okay. You know, like I don't want to get another. Yeah. Um, And like, oh, and another like perspective of this, my mom was like, I feel like as women, and if we see some of us who like desire to be stay at home mom, we see this as our career. And when we feel like you're stuck, like you can't progress or, you know, it's like, I want to progress. I want to keep being a stay at home mom. And this is how I kind of hoped for that to look. And when that's not happening, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, they don't, it, it, I brought that up to my husband because it's like, this is what I wanted to do with my life. And he's like, well, you know, can't you like do something else (laughs) like coaching or like, you know, my book endeavor? I'm like, I can do that. Like, you know, give me a challenge. Like, yeah, I will step up to the plate and do that. Like I've done that before. I'll do it again. But I desire more to be a mother. And so that's why this is just like really important you know, weighing on me right now. And that's like why I'm crying in this conversation because, you know, I just want to have control over this and I don't. And it was just kind of one of those points of weakness, a conversation that we had had, but, but yeah. I think that's so good to share that perspective because guys, men and women do look at it differently. I think the Lord has blessed each gender so differently. And that's such a good thing, but also sometimes it's like, are you even looking at the same thing that I'm looking at? Because gosh, I, I wish it was just a little simpler sometimes in my mind when I hear Josh's response. I'm like, why do I have so many filters going through and you have one? I'm like, I don't understand yeah. what's happening here. But it, it's such a blessing because I do think it can gravitate us back to grounding. And I know he he's in med school, correct? Or just finished? Res- he's in residency. residency. So we're, yeah, we're on year four. Okay, so he's at the tail end. And does the medical side at all like impact your guys' decision making now that you are, you know, at a certain point and you're bringing these options up to the table? Kind of walk Mm -hmm. us through like the next step that you guys made the decision on pursuing treatment. What did that look like for you guys? Did he bring that to the table at all? No, a year ago I had brought up IUI and he was pretty against it at first. Because it had only been like six months since my last miscarriage. And he's like, well, we know we can conceive. And so, you know, you need to wait a full year until we try that. And so I'm like, okay. 
I'm not getting any younger here, but okay. And so we waited. And honestly, if I'm if I'm being honest, I would say I probably didn't have peace, 100% peace about an IUI last summer either. Like similar to your IVF situation is, you know, it was on the mind and it was a conversation that kept coming up. But I, if I'm being honest, I didn't have total peace about it last summer either. So anyway, this spring came around and we had gotten a second opinion from a family friend. And up until this point, Devin had not been to any infertility appointments with me because most of my appointments were like virtual at home so that I could be home with Navy and he would be at work. And so it would be me relaying what the doctor had said to him. And so there's just this huge disconnect like all around. And so this spring we sat down on a FaceTime with a kind of a, a distant family friend who is a specialist and his this conversation that we had had with him and him recommending, you know, before you jump into embryo adoption or anything like that, I don't think you're there yet. I don't think you're at IVF yet. You need to try IUIs next. And I think when Devin heard that from a a doctor himself, like face to face, then he seemed more on board for the first time. So that was, I don't know, May or probably May or June. And yeah, so let's see. So July 1st, we attempted our first IUI. And during this time, like, I feel like, you know, prayer was huge. And through learning about prayer, I was learning a lot about surrender. On your last episode, you were talking about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so many great takeaways from that, by the way. Let's see, I was going to pull that up. And Daniel 3... 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not in need of an answer to give you concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you that we are not going to serve your God's nor worship the golden statue that you have set up. And that had just kind of really brought me to the this point of surrender. And it's like, I do believe that God can do all things and that he will give me a baby if that is his will. But even if it is not his will, even if IUIs do not work, I still will believe that he is good and that he is faithful and that, you know, in the end, all things will work out. Even if, you know, for them, that meant even if we're going to heaven today, like he's still good and I'm not going to bow down to this idol right now. And so just this whole season was learning about one, like how to pray two, how to surrender that. And so going into IUI was like, we want to trust God's timing and we want to trust God's will and we want to surrender. And it's this like mind game that you play sometimes is, am I taking things too much into my own hands by doing this? Or am I just trying to like trust other people and the gifts you've given them to help me out in this situation? And so what surrender looked like for me in that attempt of an IUI was, okay, I'm going to try this. My husband's on board. I'm on board. I'm going to try this. 
but I am surrendering this to you. I only want this to work if this is your will for it to work. And I only want, you know, if it doesn't, if this is not your will, I am 100% okay with seeing another negative pregnancy sign. And so we went in at the beginning of July. I had the procedure done two weeks later. I was about to, you know, take a pregnancy test and I was just totally at peace. I was expecting a, a negative pregnancy test and because I just felt like I had come to this place of surrender. And I looked at the pregnancy test and it was actually positive. And I was just shocked and like didn't really believe it because, you know, it's just like, really? Like this was the way and this is the time and okay. And so you're just kind of shocked and pumped for, you know, three days. And then, you know, because of my previous experiences, fear, I feel like just totally came in and swept away all the joy. And, and there's just like so many feelings that comes with that. Like, first off, you're just like, why, why I want, I wanted this for so long and I finally got it. I want to be happy about this, but because of my previous realities, I'm scared out of my mind that it's just going to be a repeating nightmare. And, and then my other feeling was guilt that now I'm pregnant. (laughs) And it's, it's like when you're in the season of trying to conceive, you find yourself in this pool of people that you're really bonding with and you're encouraging and you're banding together. And then when you actually get a positive pregnancy test, there's like joy and gratefulness there. But then, then there's also this like feeling of, I don't know if you felt this way, but there's this like feeling of guilt of now I have to tell my previous friends that I'm pregnant and I'm no longer walking down that road with them. I mean, I am like emotionally and like prayerfully, but you know, it's just like this really weird pendulum swing. I definitely felt that the second time. I think the first pregnancy, because it had been so long, like at that point, I don't think there was anyone who had started with me that wasn't already (laughs) moved on into like having conception and all that. So like, I think I was probably the last one standing. So I didn't really feel any guilt because it was, I hadn't gotten one positive pregnancy the whole time. So I felt like Yeah. If anyone's going to be like jealous of me or whatever, I was like, I don't even care because you didn't walk this path. But the second time, absolutely. The second time was like, because it surprised even me. Like in some ways we were trying, not trying. I was the story that I hated to hear because it was like, yeah, sure. We, we weren't not trying, but we weren't, I didn't really feel like I understood when I was really obvious. Like I felt like there were so many pieces. I wasn't peeing on a, you know, an ovulation thing every single day. Like there were so many pieces of my second story that I felt like, gosh, I'm the annoying girl now Mm -hmm. who just, it just happened. And I don't have a reason. I don't have a, a, a specific tangible thing. So I definitely resonate. Like I felt that guilt, especially because it was like not hard in some ways the second time. Like I will have two children two years apart. Like that was not Mm -hmm. at all expected for me. Like I didn't think that was going to be, I didn't even think I'd be able to get pregnant at all. Like I was kind of preparing myself mentally. Like you might have to, you might have to do IVF around again. And I didn't really want to. So 
I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, okay, exciting. How far along are you? Like, obviously it's the two things that you're holding, the the fear of what if, and then the exciting, okay, I'm going to hold my breath and hope again. And and then a new kind of surrender. You had just kind of worked out that surrender of the results, but now it's the surrender of the pregnancy journey. How has it been since you found out? Yeah. So right now I'm 14 and a half weeks. So the first seven weeks, I was a train wreck. <laughs> I I remember with my other uh, miscarriages thinking, I'm not going to wait so long to share my next pregnancies. Like I'm going to share early so that people can be praying for the baby. But I don't know, something changed in me this time around. Like I didn't want to even share with my family because at this point, I'm so sick and tired of getting my hopes up to get them crushed. Like whether that's through miscarriage or this hope roller coaster. And so I even had a weekend. It was like two weeks after I had found out we were pregnant. I was at the lake with my entire family. Like my family, my sister from California was there. My my brother from Michigan was there. Like I could have told my family and I didn't because I was just, I just didn't want to get anyone's hopes up. I didn't want to get my hopes up. I was so crippled by fear and anxiety. And I just remember it was like the day before my seven and a half week appointment to like confirm the pregnancy of my first ultrasound and just like making dinner in the kitchen when and trying not to have a panic attack, reliving my last two ultrasounds where I saw a lifeless baby in my womb. And I was just like, this is going to happen again. I'm not feeling symptoms yet. Like just freaking out. And, and I just remember uh, breathe. Like we just, I just need to breathe. And, and one of my friends gave me this, this, uh, I don't know, something to think, to think about is, you need to tell yourself like you're not in that moment yet. You don't need to be living in that moment yet because you don't even know if that moment's going to come. And I just kind of came back to this idea of I need to surrender this fear and trust God. And so I remember that night like trying to fall asleep, couldn't fall asleep. And so I I was just thinking to myself like, Okay, I this is not Abraham and Sarah's story. Like God never promised me multiple children. And and so like what did he even promise me? Because he didn't promise me health, wealth and prosperity. And so I just kind of like went to the Bible and like what are God's promises for me? And those like four promises were strength, like he will give me strength through the power of the Holy Spirit with whatever I am facing. He can strengthen me to walk through that. Second, he can give me rest when I am weary and when I carry heavy burdens. He will come alongside me and he will carry, help me carry those. So he'll give me strength. He'll give me rest and his presence. He gives me his presence with me wherever I go. I'm not going into this appointment alone. I'm going in with him. And fourth, he gives me freedom from my sin. Like I don't have to be in bondage to fear, to anxiety, to whatever. I have hope in Jesus. I have life in Jesus. I have salvation in Jesus. I have eternity that I can look forward to with Jesus. And and this, so this is like something I'm typing out in a text to two of my girlfriends. I'm typing this out and I said, 
for these like four promises, like this is why I cannot place my hope in earthly wants and desires, though they may be beautiful hopes and desires. I'm starting to learn that the world's, you know, kind of teaches us to like hope incorrectly, or sometimes it tells us to hope for selfish things or to manifest and to speak positive affirmations that aren't true until maybe they come true someday. Like that's not biblical, but the Bible says to place our hope in Jesus and hope is found in the promises that he gives us. I already have everything I need to be joyful in this life, no matter what the outcome is tomorrow, because I have Jesus. And like, that's something I have to continue to like surrender to every day. Because even though I'm 14 and a half weeks pregnant, I could think, oh, I'm out of the woods. But I'm not out of the woods because I live in a broken world. No one's really ever out of the woods. And that doesn't mean we should be worried and anxious. It just means like, yeah, we need to know the realities and surrender that to Jesus and walk and abide with him every day. Because if we're not abiding in him every day, some sort of temptation some sort of fear is going to sweep us up and take us on with the world and, you know, just crush us in some way or another. And so, man, just like learning where to place my hope and my security is just like of utmost importance, no matter where you're at in your journey. And so, yeah, (laughs) I went to that seven and a half week appointment and you know, we saw the heartbeat and we were just really, you know, so thankful, but, you know, still a little bit fearful because our first miscarriage happened at eight and a half weeks of growth. And so it wasn't until we got past that 10 week ultrasound till we started feeling a little bit more at peace and like actually excited to tell somebody in our family that we were pregnant. So yeah, we're continuing to pray that that God intended God's intended purposes in my heart will happen. Like that was something that he was teaching me in my trying to conceive arrow was like, you know, even Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane fell on his face. So troubled, so full of sorrow, presenting his request to the Lord, like, Lord, take this cup from me, but not if it's my will. Only if it is your will. He prayed that three times. God didn't change his circumstance, but it changed his demeanor. After that third prayer, he got up and he went and he faced the situation. Like, it doesn't say he was terrified and sorrowful anymore. He stood up and, you know, here came Judas and he took it on. So like learning that, And just like surrendering that, even though God might not change my circumstance, he can change our heart through the power of prayer and our perspective and our faith and just really grow us through any hardship in life. And so I, even though like I have a a success story right now, that doesn't mean I'm free from trials and tribulations to come. Like this is, I'm only 30. Like there are more to come. And I know that he's using this season of my life to teach me how to deal with things now so that I can deal with them the right way moving forward and to teach my child how to pray and to teach my child how to hope and where to place your hope because we're not gonna get everything we ask for 
And even if we do, it's not going to come in our own timing. And to pray for peace and understanding and, you know, just growth in our faith through this time has just been really remarkable. And yeah, like our hope in the Lord does not lead to disappointment. Like he carries us through to triumph, even if that means in the very end when he makes all things new, you know? So good. So good. There's so, I mean, I feel like you just had so many nuggets there, especially just resonating with people who are navigating that fear with miscarriage, you know, now that they're in a, in a journey of, you know, victory, a season of victory. And, but I just want to encourage you as we kind of wrap up here that when you were sharing like, oh, you know, my whole purpose and joy and mission is, is being a stay at home mom. Obviously now, like what a gift. And of course, like there is that thought you're not out of the woods completely. None of us are. I'm almost 20 weeks. So just a little bit ahead of you. And I still have those moments too. But to just infuse hope because we do need that. We do need to go back and draw our eyes back to hope and where our hope comes from. Like how good is God that you got to spend five years at home with Navy raising her, sewing into her, like just having that special one-on-one time. And I know we all get in our heads about like age gaps and all the things. And it's like, yes, I get that. Cause I'm in that motherhood era now where like, I understand that because you know, it is kind of hard to go out of like, you've been out of diapers for a while and now we're going right back into that. Like I, I hear that because I think so many moms feel that they just want to kind of like bang it out, whatever. Yeah. But I just got this presence of like, the Lord is like, look, I'm giving her this new thing. I'm giving her this new season where this child is going to get the exact same blessing of being able to have your like, quote unquote, one-on-one time and attention to like, get to know this individual human. And that Navy now gets to minister to this little baby in a different capacity because of her age and knowledge. Yeah. Like, I just think there's going to be so many points over your motherhood journey, the next few years where you are just going to be like, stop and praise the Lord for this age gap, for this journey that like didn't go the way that you wanted. And maybe there's things that you would have changed, but like how I just really feel that like for your story that you get to do round two, stay at home mom life. It's going to be so special to have that like almost kind of single kid in a sense, like experience because she will be in school, you know, in the next year or whatever. Yeah. But then then the aspect of there will be moments where you will just stand there and praise the Lord because of Navy's age, because of the age gap and like just being able to praise the Lord for his goodness in the deliverance of that promise. Like it's just going to be it's going to be overwhelming at times. Like I'm excited for those moments between you and God where you're just like, oh, thank you. Actually, thank you for this the way that it did go, because I can see now this what a blessing this is right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's good. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Did you want to end with anything else? Oh, I would just say in your season of waiting, like it's it. Yes, it's good to have specific prayers. Yes, it's good to present those requests to God. But I'd also encourage you to like pray a more broad prayer for God's intended purposes in your heart to take place Mm. and for your faith to just really grow immensely in this season because he's at work, whether we know it or not. And sometimes it's hard to feel God in the midst of pain, but we will see him in the days gone by. 
So good. Thank you, Sierra, for being vulnerable and being willing to share what God has done in your story. And I still can't believe that when we were setting this up, (laughs) we were like setting it up. And then I think we already kind of like made a plan. And then you texted me and you're like, by the way, I think you were probably on the fence of like telling me or not. (laughs) Because you were like, (laughs) I hadn't told anyone. So you were like, oh, great. Now I'm gonna have to tell Courtney. (laughs) Yeah, well, the first time you like reached out to me about podcasting, I wasn't pregnant yet. And it just yeah. like took us a while to like get it on the calendar. Yes. And then I was and I'm like, uh, what do I do? Yes, yeah. I know. And so like when I first heard that, I was like, this is the coolest story. So technically when we recorded, you know, our last episode with your first part of your story, we had already known the exciting news, but just being able to be intentional with your story mm-hmm. and and really speaking to each season because there was a couple there as, as God yeah. brought you guys through. So praying over your pregnancy and your family and so excited for you guys. Thank you again for being vulnerable and sharing with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was this was really good. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcast at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.